Welcome to our latest episode of our Business in Focus podcast. I'm Rowena Morris, a director at PwC, and I'm your host for this episode. The need to level up or rebalance the UK's economy has long been recognised, but this focus has shifted in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's no longer enough to drive growth in the left-behind regions. Right now, it's about tackling deep-rooted inequalities in every part of the UK, even in some of the wealthier areas. At the time of recording today, the 2nd of February 2021, the UK is in the middle of a third national lockdown, while the vaccine rollout continues to inspire hope for a return to normal life. In this episode, we'll be discussing how businesses and government can navigate ever-changing restrictions while setting the foundations for a fair, inclusive and sustainable economic recovery. I'm delighted to be joined today in our virtual studio by Zoe Waters and Stuart Wilson. Zoe is a corporate finance partner here in our real assets practice in PwC, and Stuart is our local public services lead partner. Hi both. Hi Rowena. Hi Rowena, thanks for having us today. Thanks for joining us both. So we're all working from home today, um, and I'd like to start by asking where both of you are in the country and just how you're doing. So Zoe, I know you're in Manchester, aren't you? How are you doing? Yes, I am in Manchester. Hi, Rowena. Um, I'm okay. Um, January was tough, as I think it was for everybody. Um, I do feel like with family members being vaccinated, it's a real milestone, though, so I'm feeling much more positive for that. Yeah, I'm uh, up in uh, Glasgow, um, and I won't deny, similar to, to Zoe, January and February are a challenging month. Um, we've got the homeschooling here, and uh, the Glasgow weather um, this time of year doesn't make it that easy. Um but yeah, I mean, positive shoots. I've got family members that have been vaccinated. So um, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I agree with that. The little glimmers of hope, isn't it? Um, so I wanted to kick off. So with Stuart, you telling us a little bit more about how the pandemic has affected the places we live. Um, and even before the pandemic hit, the government was committed to levelling up across the regions. Now, as we continue to navigate the economic and social impacts of COVID-19, the focus is very much on building back better and addressing the unequal ways the pandemic has impacted regions right across the UK. So can you give us that overview of, of how it has affected all of the different parts of the country? Yeah, sure, Rowena. I think, uh, as you said, you know, COVID has impacted the economy of every region and city across the UK. And uh, our Good Growth Cities report has shown how the effects are playing out differently in each place. I think this is mainly due to health, social and economic conditions in different places, including the balance of sectors which support each local economy. And it's interesting, for, for example, when I look closer to home uh, to see that Edinburgh is a UK city least impacted by COVID, while Glasgow, just 50 miles down the road, will take the hardest hit of any in Scotland. Then we're expected to see its economy shrink by 9.1% in comparison to Glasgow at 10.4%. I think the reason that, that Edinburgh is, is less severely impacted can be attributed in part to the, the sector mix, the diverse, uh, diverse sector mix in Edinburgh, and uh, its relatively low case rate. And it's also clear that some demographics have been impacted more heavily than others. You know, younger workers have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic as they tend to have less experience, fewer skills and working sectors that, that clearly have been uh, heavily impacted by uh, coronavirus restrictions. And we've heard a lot about Generation COVID in the news recently. So would you be able to tell us a little bit more about how young people are being affected? Yeah, sure. And it, it is a real problem. Um, 
And I think one of the kind of, as I mentioned, one of the key reasons for this um, is that you know, sector that traditionally attracted high number of young workers have, have, as I say, been disproportionately affected. You know, those those areas such as retail, food services, and wholesale have all been uh, have been extremely hard hit, and and they employ large numbers of uh, of young workers. I think also as well, when we look at when crisis crises have hit in the past, we tend to see employers move towards hiring more experienced individuals, which, you know, again, places greater pressure on young people that are trying to enter the labour market. I would say, though, that, that there is, um, with all of that, some opportunity in that, again, looking in past experiences where there has been recessions, we have um, uh, seen younger people often choose education over employment. And I think when we look at the the, the demands for new digital skills that, that we have now and we will have in the future post-COVID, that does create opportunity for some of our young people. That's positive to hear about that opportunity that's being creative. Um, it is really concerning though, isn't it? And thinking about the, the impact that this is having on everyone, but young people in particular, where they're the future workforce. So moving on to Zoe, can you tell us a little bit more about how COVID has changed the debate around levelling up in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's no secret or surprise that tensions have been increasing across sort of national versus local approaches to managing COVID. And we saw these um, play out in, not too long ago in Greater Manchester. I think the government's decision to continue the furlough scheme on 80% of wages during this new national lockdown is a is an example of this, given that it only offered 67% to businesses forced to close in the north under tier three restrictions. And I think as we saw in the press, um, this led Andy Burnham to accuse the ministers of knowingly levelling down in the north. Um, it's feeling from some that particular areas have been given preferential treatment. Should London have gone into uh, tier three when it was in tier two in December is an example of that. And I think the cases have proven, yes, probably it should. This is a, something that government will need to address, this perception, particularly given the, you know, the, the new Conservative MPs who were elected for the first time in December 19. They were elected on the basis of a promise of levelling up and we'll need to see action on that before the next next election. Um, I think from now on, the success of levelling up is, is likely to be judged on how well the government is able to reduce employment and reduce the income and skills inequalities that exist across across the regions, um, as well as the extent of investment, which is close to my heart. Regional infrastructure and housing is something that's that's much needed. And hopefully some of the recent amendments to the Green Book guidance will, will enable this. And, and actually levelling up will be um, a great a great portion of it will be focused on infrastructure investment coming out into the regions rather than the southeast. And in a previous episode of this podcast, our government and health industries experts, Quentin Cole and Dan Burke, talked about how stronger collaboration between national government, local public services and also businesses will be critical to that recovery. So, Stuart, can you cover what this looks like in practice? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think, um, you know, it's exactly right. When you look at the, the role, firstly, that local government has to play, it's absolutely vital. You know, councils will have to play a, a kind of key collaboration role uh, in cooperating organisations across the public, private and the third sector. Um, you know, local authorities, they'll, they'll need to develop and implement physical infrastructure investment programmes that will support a successful economic recovery. And, and in particular, in areas of, of housing and, uh, and, and critically digital connectivity. And, 
Council, the need to focus on human capital, um, investing in skills, particularly young people, as we mentioned before, you know, and addressing some of the real health and uh, social social care concerns that we uh, we have today. Uh, and then equally, I think when you look at national government, um, it, it's it's vital that they engage with with local public services. And I think in England, obviously, it's important around um, you know producing that blueprint for the future de future devolution in uh, in England. Um, but also, it needs to engage properly with cities um, and local leaders to help, um, uh, you know, to, to help them recover and uh, and set those plans after Brexit and uh, COVID have run the course. And then finally, um, the other kind of key role is in business, and, and never more so has the spotlight been on uh, business leaders. I think businesses need to to really proactively work with local leaders, really engage with them. Um, to build innovation and productivity-focused um, local economic strategies. And one area I'm particularly passionate in because it's, uh, it's certainly something that we talk a lot about up in Scotland is, is how um, uh, business leaders can get more involved with education and training providers uh, and new apprenticeship schemes to, to, you know, to gear training towards the skill gaps and, and future skill needs. Thanks, Stuart. I agree. It's such a huge problem for any one particular sector or area to solve on its own. And it really does need to be a collective effort. So that really enforces that. And um, Zoe, one of the points Stuart mentioned there was around the need to invest in infrastructure. So no cause close to your heart as an infrastructure specialist. And um, it would be great to hear your views on what levelling up and building back better actually means. And it'd be also good to understand how you think the government and the private sector should approach infrastructure investments across the UK. Yeah, of course. Um, on the back of the uh, last year's spring budget, which was following on from election promises, the UK government allocated over 600 billion to infrastructure. And then in June 2020, Boris reconfirmed um, the government's commitment to building back better, greener, faster, whereby they brought forward five billion of projects of recent, in recent announcements. Obviously, that was back in June. And since then, obviously, the government is now bearing significant debt levels whilst there remains record funds available from the private sector. So it'd be interesting to see how the private sector is brought in to help fund some of that infrastructure where the, the government can no longer or may not be able to meet its, its original investment targets. In November 2020, though, we saw the launch of the National Infrastructure Strategy, which had three key objectives, namely economic recovery, levelling up and meeting the UK's net zero emissions target by 2050. The latter was swiftly followed by an energy white paper, which was powering our net zero future. Now, to support the national infrastructure strategy, the government then formally announced the creation of a new national infrastructure bank, which great news is to be located in the north location to be determined. Um, but this the aim of this is to catalyze private investment in projects across the UK alongside a, a comprehensive set of reforms to the way that infrastructure is developed. They did confirm that they will not reintroduce the private financial initiative model where the private sector had been a, a key player in the past. So we're yet to see kind of how that public private interface will, will occur across this new infrastructure. There was also announcement of a new levelling up fund to support the local infrastructure uh, alongside the changes that I previously mentioned to Green Book project appraisal. And also they they, they announced plans to relocate um, 22,000 civil servants out of London and the South East by 2030 um, across the regions. I think historically levelling up across the UK used to be all about improving transport links, getting people 
into London, into the big cities. But I think now, hopefully, we're starting to think differently. We're starting to learn, actually, it's about enabling greater collaboration and connectivity across digital infrastructure, across health and across transport. I guess the fundamental question is, we need to ask ourselves, have we got the right infrastructure in the right places? Yeah, and I'm definitely noticing the messages out there moving away from just focusing on transport links and towards, as you say, more collaborative measures that could really make a big difference. So Stuart, clearly helping our cities recover from COVID-19 is a huge undertaking and infrastructure is just one part of the puzzle, as Zoe's saying. So where do you think we should be focusing our efforts? Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to helping um, cities recover, uh, you know, we talk about five five key measures to focus on. I know the fairness, productivity, uh, livability, sustainability, and resilience. And just to pick up each of those briefly, um, firstly, on you know, making the UK fair, it's all about creating inclusive places, focusing on the most vulnerable communities and those most in need. You know, as we said before, including younger workers entering a, a very disruptive uh, labour market, ethnic minorities, and of course, those in um, on low incomes. And then solving the productivity problem uh, will, will involve creating places for, for business by, you know, fostering a commercial culture that, that supports entrepreneurship, um, investment and innovation. Um, and, and skills, connectivity will be key um, to supporting that process longer term. In terms of livability, you know, cities and towns um, will, will need to focus on this, you know, focus on becoming, you know, vibrant, unique places to live with thriving town centres and high streets, you know, that attract individuals, families, communities to, to live, work, visit, etc. Um, and then, of course, you know, creating uh, green, sustainable places um, and embedding in environment, sustainability, clean air, net zero, all, all of these things should be at the heart of, um, of uh, city recovery plans. And then finally, it's putting the public right at the heart of the recovery um, and taking a broad approach to, to, to growth that will help build resilience against, um, against future crisis. That's a really helpful overview and that livability message particularly resonates with me I'm very much looking forward to going and visiting some different places across the country when we're able to. Um, so as we as we wrap up, any final thoughts to share? Maybe Stuart, if I come to you first? Yeah, sure, Rowena. I mean, I think just, just to finalise and, and to summarise some of the messages that we've, we've uh, touched on, I mean, there's no doubt we're going to hear more and more about uh, levelling up in the coming months. And you know, it's the right thing to do for a country and society. You know, however, the question we should be asking is not just how to level up, but what to level up, um, and what does the government actually mean when they talk about leveling up, and and what do people actually want? You know, so for example, traditional, traditionally, governments and uh, of all political persuasions have tended to see the sort of north-south divide as something that can be solved by allocating infrastructure funding projects and programs to the north, but but it's far more complicated than that. And we need to think about what we're doing in relation to the skills agenda, as we've talked about access to employment, digital connectivity, and the experience people have of living in different parts of the country. I mean, these are all things that really matter to people and, uh, and where we think there is the greatest benefit in leveling up opportunities and outcomes across the UK. I guess just one final point as well, I think on a, on a sort of positive note is, you know, I've been very encouraged by how we all across the UK have embraced the shift to digital working and our ability to really adopt new collaboration platforms and, and, and innovate about how we work together. 
And I think that also gives me real encouragement and hope about how we'll continue to evolve and embrace new digital opportunities post-COVID and beyond. Completely agree with what Stuart said. Um, for me, more action and less words. Um, we need jobs created across the regions, whether that be civil service jobs or through supporting regional businesses coming out of COVID. Um, just going back to the, the earlier point around the right infrastructure in the right place, completely agree with what Stuart's just said. Do we need to be moving people around the country as we did pre-COVID? Isn't it better to invest in connectivity so that it no longer matters where you live? You can work anywhere effectively. Thanks both. Some really fascinating insights and some positive messages in there too. So thank you so much Zoe and Stuart and thanks to everyone for listening. So to find out more about our Good Growth for Cities report and explore the results for different areas across the country, visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash good growth. Look out for more from our Future of Government programme over the coming months too, where we'll focus on how government and business can address long-standing inequalities and work together to create and deliver a fair recovery. And to find out more about our real assets practice, visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash real assets. Please subscribe to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not try our A to Z of Tech podcast? Featuring our technologists and a wide range of special guests, the series explores an alphabet of technology trends from A for artificial intelligence to our latest episode, O for open data. Listen now on Spotify and iTunes. Thanks, everyone. Speak to you next time.